So, some thoughts about equanimity. Um, it the word means mental balance. Um, in uh, uh, in Pali, the word is upeka. Um, and um, and it's it is a, a mental balance that arises from insight. It arises from um, insight into the nature of our experience, as we've just been talking about. And it arises into awareness of our true nature. So um, uh, this knowing who we are not, you know, I am not this reactivity, I am not this, um, this idea of who I should be, um, so, so our true nature, uh, insight into our true nature happens as, as uh, these identifications with smaller identities, all these many, many ways that we identify as a self, as we begin to see through them. So, um, you know, when we look, when we look at, uh, you know, our lives, when we look at the world around us, we see, uh, we see how clear, we see clearly that it's, it's not an easy thing to have this equanimity, this balanced state of mind. Uh, we, we see um, how perhaps our own, our own emotions, our own, our own feelings about ourself, uh, and certainly we can see it you know, in our, you know, in our relationships and in the world around us, how uh, there's so much, you know, rising and falling, we, you know, these, like these waves of, um, of hope and despair, of, of uh, disappointment and satisfaction, um, you know, delight and then loss, uh, just rising and falling, with um, the, the conditions that we experience in our lives. And, and the Buddha talked about this as uh, the vicissitudes of life. That, um, that we are, I think some people are cold. <laughs> John, would you mind turning okay. the heat a little bit? <laughs> it got too hot and then, you know, don't want, don't want you to fall asleep. So uh, I turned it down a little bit and now people are bundling up with blankets and coats, so I think think that okay. but of course our bodies are all different right mm-hmm. so it's, <laughs> it's, uh, so what what one person finds a pleasant temperature <laughs> another person finds an unpleasant temperature <laughs> this is uh, and it's rare that they're neutral <laughs> <laughs> or neutral <laughs> so. yeah so um, so these vicissitudes of life, you know, praise and blame. You know, we all want to be praised. We don't want to be blamed. Um, having a, a good reputation and and having a bad reputation. Having uh, you know success, having failure. Um, all of these things are uh, are part of you know, the flow of life. 
sometimes people like you and sometimes people don't like you and uh, and and if you know if if we're so attached to having everybody like us and think well of us and um, you know it can be uh, it can be pretty stressful uh, if we if we don't have some kind of balance around that of uh, um, of equanimity so um, So talking uh, earlier about insight into the characteristics of experience, so, um, you know, uh, for example, um, you know, the impermanence in the body, you know, are we, are we attached, do we have a, a sense you know, that, that I am uh, a certain way of the body appearing, you know, um, being attached to being young and, and, and beautiful or being, you know, a high-performing athlete or, um, uh, or any experience in the body and then the body changes, you know, so so then that creates stress and suffering. So if there's, if there's no real understanding that, you know, the body is, first of all, it's impermanent, you know, it's changing. Uh, and no matter how much we take care of the body and, um, uh, and, and, and do all, eat all the right foods, and uh, and and exercise the body. You know, um, we can't necessarily protect it from from illness, from injury, and and ultimately from death. You know, as as one person mentioned. You know, so so this this aging of the body, illness of the body, death of the body is something that we really need to take in, we really need to understand, we really need to, um, to receive into our, uh, our understanding, our, um, uh, our it, it, it's an insight, that, a very important insight. Um, certainly if we cling to the body being a certain way, you know, if we can't, you know, what happens if, um, you know, we're, we're so identified with being able to run and then our knees start to give out, you know, is that, uh, is that something that we can't adapt to? Um, we create a sense of self around being a certain way. You know, this uh, sense of self, a lot of people of these three characteristics, uh, anicca, impermanence, dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness of, or suffering of, of experience, and, um, and uh, anatta, selflessness. A lot of people find anatta the, the hardest to, to get hold of in, in understanding. 
um, you know, a very simple example I use, I, I like to use is, um, you know, just looking at an object like, you know, this sick stick which I use to sound the bell. Uh, so, you know, we can say that this, our common sense tells us that this stick has a, a kind of a self-existence, right? It, it, it's an object, so we don't think of it as a self. We usually use that word, you know, to describe a person. But, but you know, if, if you were to be asked, you know, does it have a self-existence, you know, it, it seems it has, you know, it's defined edges, you know, you can throw it against the wall and it'll have an impact, so, you know, and it seems to, you know, I, I put it in my bag every day and it's still there when I go to take it out, so it seems to have an enduring existence. Uh, and so common sense tells us that, that it does have a self, but we need to, look with the eyes of wisdom. So, um, so this is a deeper looking. Uh, and, and so when I look with the eyes of wisdom at this stick, I see that it is impermanent, actually. Um, you know, just uh, I can rub away some layers of molecules just by doing that. Uh, but, you know, I know that depending on what kind of wood it was made of, if I put it in a corner, and, and depending on the conditions, you know, I were to put it down, if I put it away and, and you know, 500 years later or 1,000 years later, somebody were to come upon it, you know, maybe it would be changed. It would be maybe rotted or, um, or there would be, you know, some, some hole or some surface would be worn away. So, 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 uh, because things have a kind of a timeline, a longer timeline, in relation to, to our common sense, uh, we don't see the impermanence of them. You know, some things have a very short timeline, you know, like um, uh, you know, a candle, for example. We see a candle burning down, so we can see the change in that. Or, or um, you know, weather. You know, we see change, but uh, some things like mountains, you know, uh, rocks, um, oceans. You know. But we know geologically, of course, that these do change, and that continents have risen and fallen. We, you know, you can see these uh, these. Um, rocks, these formations, which are sedimentary rocks, you know, which, which we know from geology have lain at the bottom of oceans for eons and then they've been lifted up and turned on their side and, you know, you drive, you drive on the highway or you walk in the woods and you, you see that, that, you know, that uh, the earth is changing and, um, a, a, a Zen master um, uh, lived many hundred years ago, uh, Dogen, said, um, uh, something like, I can't remember the exact phrase, but um, um, 
we some something to the effect of with the with the eyes of wisdom we can see mountains walking if we have not seen mountains walking we have not seen mountains and so you know even mountains have that capacity of change and so so this this stick here is is it is impermanent even though not in our common sense and when we look at it with the eyes of wisdom we also see that it it doesn't have an independent existence we can look at the stick and we can see sun and rain we can see um, because it of course it was made out of a tree which needed you know to be nourished by the sun and and by the rain we can see um, we can see minerals that that were created in the birth of stars at the very beginning moments of the universe because because the the life forms that exist on this planet uh, require certain heavy metals minerals that can only be formed uh, under certain conditions um, heat that's created in the birth of stars <clears throat> so we can see a uh, human culture because this stick the you know the the uh, tools that were created the dowel which was used to to create the roundness of it and form these beautiful little curves very subtle which makes it fit in the hand so nicely and and these little these little decorative um, lines on it these were created by human intelligence so we can see human culture and ingenuity um, Of course, human life also um, requires these many conditions, uh, similar to trees. We also um, emerge only when certain conditions are, are present. And uh, we can also see um, questions of social justice. You know, in this, in this stick, you know, we can inquire, you know, under what conditions was it made? You know, who made it? Um, what were the working conditions? What was this person paid? Was it a just wage? Um, you know, where was it made? Uh, how, what was, what's the, what's the, the, uh, the footprint, you know, the, of how, many, how much greenhouse gas was consumed to, to bring this stick to the little shop on Notre Dame Street where I bought it? Uh, so, it's um, so there's it's it's there's nothing to which this stick is not connected, and so you know we can see all these this web of of life, uh, all of these conditions to which this stick is connected, and the same is true for ourselves that we you know we breathe, we eat, we. We're continually drinking water and and then uh, excreting it. Uh, we're where we could not we could not exist without these conditions of of um, you know we have a certain temperature within which you know maybe our comfort range is this narrow and our capacity to survive is a little bit wider. But but um, uh, you know so. 
So the, the sun, the, you know, the conditions of the earth, the, uh, the forests, you know, which, which breathe out and we breathe in and we breathe out and they breathe in and there's this mutuality of breathing uh, of the world, you know. So, so the world, we're breathing as one, you know, we're breathing in and breathing out together. We don't have uh, any independent existence. When we were born, we were vulnerable and dependent. You know, whatever the um, the uh, the deficits or the uh, you know the 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 very positive qualities of of our family upbringing, um, we wouldn't be alive today if we weren't uh, in some way supported by our our, our mothers our fathers, other people. The way we think, the way we understand our experience is formed by our, uh, our culture, our language, our, um, you know, our, perhaps our religious upbringing. Uh, so, so we are who we are so much of, you know, that we don't even think about, that we don't even name as being how we we perceive and how we take in our experience is um, has been you know we've been formed we've been shaped in that you know by those conditions and by our experiences our education um, so we exist our existence is interdependent it's not anatta or no self doesn't doesn't say that we don't exist. It says that we don't exist as a permanent and independent self. But, you know, it's, it's challenging not to know, you know, who we are. Because if we don't exist as a permanent and independent self, then, well, who am I? You know? Uh, Okay, you know, all these labels that we, we want to put on ourselves, you know. I'm a mother, I'm a partner, you know, I'm a, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, uh, I'm um, a friend, uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, I'm a, a man, a woman, you know, all of these labels. But, but if we say any of them to ourselves, they're always a little hollow, you know. It may be, it may describe activities that we do, but, but, but they don't resonate on a deep level. And but, but it's there's this. We're supposed to know who we are, right? We're supposed to know who we are, and um, uh, at least that's what we're told. Uh, and so we keep trying to put this identity on ourselves. But the problem is that any identity is always partial and always inadequate and always changing. You know, so if I think of myself as a good person, as a kind person, well then what happens when these judgmental thoughts come up in my mind? I've got to push them away. I've got to deny them. 
you know, deny their existence. You know, um, if I'm, uh, if I'm, if I think of myself as a generous person, um, well, what happens, you know, if fear comes around sharing what I have, or jealousy comes because somebody has something? Does that mean that somehow there's something in me that's not right, that, that I have to change, that I have to fix, that I have to get rid of? And on the other hand, you know, what if I've grown up and I've always been told you're tough. You know, you don't let anybody take advantage of you. You know, you keep your feelings to yourself. You're a baddie. You know, you're, you're a toughie. Nobody messes with you. You know, uh, and I feel tenderness. I feel love. I feel appreciation. What happens then? You know, how do I deal with that? So, so this sense of this understanding of anatta, of a not-self, actually just expands and expands our sense of who we are. And we realize that, you know, the whole world uh, is contained in this being. The whole world from the very beginnings of the universe, um, that um, that these the elements of my body, you know, uh, were formed. You know, the hydrogen was formed in the very first moments of the of the Big Bang. So the the uh, physicists tell us. And, um, and our bodies are mostly water, H2O. So, so how old are you? <laughs> are you 25 or 30 or 50 or, or are you 12 billion years old? So, so equanimity comes from really understanding, you know, really uh, taking in in a very deep way, not, not just intellectually, but in a very deep way, that these characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta are present in our being. And, um, and when we really see anicca, dukkha, anatta, when that direct seeing, which is not analyzing, but is a, a direct seeing uh, from that, that bare awareness, which is the knowing, the knowing mind, there is a transformative effect. It doesn't happen all at once. You know, we, these insights arise, you know, we see, oh yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I was sad and now I feel okay. 
you know, these insights arise. And, and when we take them in, when we notice them, they begin to transform us and wisdom develops. Wisdom and compassion. Wisdom in the sense of, you know, recognizing that I'm, I'm not this feeling, I'm not this emotion, I'm not this self-definition, that I'm something, something much bigger. And compassion, yes, in this being also, you know, jealousy, judgment, um, anger arises. There's always a choice. Knowing that it arises doesn't mean we act it out. It just means giving it space to be known. Because, um, because if we know dukkha, you know, we know that the acting out of, of these harmful emotions, these unskillful emotions, you know, expressing anger in a, in a hurtful way, or, or taking what, what doesn't belong to us because, you know, we have a, a moment of grasping, um, that this creates suffering, you know, so, so we have insight into dukkha. In fact, you know, one of the, one of the important foundations of, of equanimity is the development of, of virtue, of, uh, and, and in Buddhism we talk about sila, um, or morality, in the sense of non-harming, of, of um, so non-harming toward ourselves and non-harming toward others. And, uh, and so cultivating this quality of um, non-harming, ahimsa, uh, is, you might have heard this word in, uh, you know, in, in connection with, um, with Gandhi and the nonviolent approach to uh, resistance, um, resistance of oppression. So this this quality of ahimsa is uh, is is really important in you know as as we cultivate this sila, this non-harming morality, um, we gain confidence in. Um, in our capacity to be with difficult emotions and to be skillful in the world. So, um, so this is another way that um, equanimity develops. <clears throat> um, there's a beautiful image that uh, Pema Chidron uses um, uh, that she says that um, uh, uh, she says it's a, tr a traditional image um, perhaps in the Tibetan tradition it's a feast to which everyone is invited and welcomed that equanimity is this sense of um, uh, that that everyone is invited to this feast. And, and these are also uh, beautiful images from the Christian tradition as well. You know, that Jesus talked about, you know, this feast and, uh, and those who were invited didn't want to come. So go out, invite the people who are walking on the street and say, there's a feast, come and join us. Uh, and, um, and Thich Nhat Hanh says, uh, you know, happiness is available, please help yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this um, the sense of welcoming, a sense of um, of knowing that there's space for everything. A sense of um, being with things as they are. So not always trying to go after the pleasant experiences, push away the unpleasant or difficult experiences, but that we, we can be with things as they are. That, that knowing, yeah, life dishes up the 10,000 joys, the 10,000 sorrows, and, um, and, uh, and that's, that is the nature of life. There's a poem, um, there's, a, there's this uh, uh, Japanese poet, Ryokan. I'm not sure when he lived. I think um, 12th century, I'm guessing, but I, I'm not sure. And he, uh, he would, um, Ryokan was uh, somebody who would just, you know, he would go and he was very, very simple. He lived in a small hut. Uh, on a mountain, and and he would go down. He would often play with the children in the village, uh, and um, uh, people who know his uh, who knew his uh, his his wisdom would often try to tr get him, give him responsibility. But he, you know, he uh, uh, he wanted to live a simple life, so he he sometimes pretended to be a fool. And um, uh, and he came back one day, and um, and he saw that you know his his little hut had been ransacked by a thief, and taken you know he had just a little desk, maybe you know a pen uh, and some paper, and didn't really have any things val valuable things, but whatever he had, it was taken. His food, you know, his little bit pieces of furniture. And um, and he walked to the window, uh, and he saw the moon in the window, and he uh, and he said he 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 spoke this poem. The thief left it behind. <laughs> the moon at my window. <laughs> so that's equanimity. <laughs> So um, just maybe to say one one last thing, and then uh, I'd like to open it up to your thoughts. Uh, that 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 equanimity. Well, equanimity is is uh, talked about in many ways. Um, uh, it's talked about as one of the enlightenment factors. Um, it's talked about as. A, as a kind of a, a, a fruition of insight practice. It's also talked about as one of the, the, the boundless states of heart, um, uh, which are um, loving kindness, uh, metta, which is the Pali word is metta, um, compassion, the Pali word is karuna, and um, an empathetic joy, uh, the, the Pali word is, is uh, mudita, and, and 
equanimity or opekka is the fourth. And these these four are sometimes referred to as, um, you know, the 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 heart of a, of, of a Buddha. That these are the this is the emotional life of a Buddha, of an awakened being. Um, you know, this loving kindness uh, and compassion and and joy joy in other people's happiness and well-being and and upekka equanimity uh, and and they work together they work together to balance them each other and so upekka is not a, some kind of distant aloof uh, indifference to the pain of the world um, upekka uh, equanimity is you know is what enables us to respond to suffering, you know, to, to, uh, to people's hurt, you know, and not look away. You know, to me, the, the meaning of compassion is, is the willingness, the, the uh, commitment to say, I'm not going to look away, I'm not going to turn away, I'm not going to pretend that my pain doesn't exist and that your pain doesn't exist. You know, so that capacity to stay there. And equanimity is what gives us that balance to not be overwhelmed, you know, um, and um, and so it's it it's not something that's aloof and distant. It actually it's an intimacy with our experience uh, that we can it can be known in a very in a very immediate way, uh, and we don't you know it 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 balances fear or you know, this aloofness uh, from experience is actually, you know, fear of connecting. And, and, and Upeka gives us that, that, uh, that quality of knowing that, you know, uh, it's all, it's all anicca, dukkha, anatta. And, and so, um, so there's no harm in being fully present. There's nothing that can really harm us. So maybe I'll, um, I'll stop there. And, uh, and I'd like to invite anything that you've been, you know, has come up for you as a, as a response, as a question, as a reflection you know, during this talk. When you were talking about the self and like how it's always partial, I guess one of the problems that always comes up, and the last thing that you were saying about um, it's not the detachment, it's not the freedom from. For a full place of meditation, you feel this intense like, freedom from everything that's arising. So how? How do you reconcile that in terms of like a sense of self, I guess? Like, does that make sense? Could you clarify a little bit? No, I'm yeah. not sure what you're asking. So you, you feel a... You feel a so it's like there's different aspects of self. Like when you're in meditation, there's like a sense of freedom from... And then there's almost a sense of like caring deeply for the world, which feels deeply engaged. <clears throat> I guess, I 
feel like for those things to integrate fully, I have to rationally understand them. And so yeah. I have trouble. That's that's the only trouble <coughs> is that the mind is trying to the mind is trying to make a, a kind of a theory or a, a philosophy. There's a beautiful quote um, by a sage uh, from the 20th century uh, named Nisargadatta, um, and he the quote is: "Wisdom tells me I am nothing." Love tells me I am everything. Between those shores, my life flows. And I think that's what you're saying. That, that in that space of knowing, I'm not this, I'm not this. You know, I'm not the, you know, the thought. I'm not the emotional reactivity. I'm not the sensation. That's the wisdom. And it's, it's a sense of space. It's a sense of freedom. And, and the heart is saying, I am this. I am this other. I am the woman who is, you know, um, begging on the street or the squeegee kid or, you know, I am, I am all of it, you know. Um, you know, I am even the, you know, the VP executive, you know, who is getting rich off of polluting the, the waters. Um, so there's nothing I'm not. And so that connection of compassion and love is, you know, um, and so it's a dance, you know, it's, yeah. it's a dance. I have a question. Um, I don't know if I understood well, but you mentioned something like anatta expands our experience of being. Mm -hmm. Can you explain more? Maybe I'm lost in what is exactly the meaning of anatta. Right. <clears throat> so it's it's kind of what I was saying to Christina, you know, to um, that um, uh, that. Anatta, you know, well, we understand ourselves to be deeply interconnected to all of life. So, um, so if I if I know that, you know, this water that I'm drinking, you know, is the waters of the rivers, the oceans, you know, uh, then I care about. You know, it's my body. So this earth is my body. Um, that's one way of expanding. You know, when I if, I, if I accept that within me there is anger, there is prejudice, there is, um, uh, there is uh, greediness, you know, there's all of these things that are, you know, things which, which are sometimes referred to as the shadow, you know, if I accept my shadow, then when I see another person acting out of, you know, greed or hatred or ignorance, I recognize that 
you know, they're creating suffering. They're creating suffering for themselves, creating suffering for others. But it's not that they're other. You know, like if I had been brought up in, in uh, you know, other circumstances, maybe that would be me. You know, um, Thich Nhat Hanh is such a wonderful teacher of this. Uh, he's a Vietnamese monk um, who, uh, uh, during the, the war in Vietnam, he, he tried to create an institute for nonviolence in Vietnam and tried to bring, you know, he was, he was uh, treating wounded from both the North and the South and, uh, and really trying to be a witness for peace in that place at a terrible, terrible time of violence and war and, um, you know, like, uh, people, you know, seeing themselves, seeing their neighbors in their, uh, you know, um, people in their country as, as other, an enemy, and, and eventually he was exiled, um, and, um, and he's taught a lot about, about this, you know, and, and, uh, you know he's he's told he's told some wonderful stories. Um, uh, he's written poems. One of one of the poems he's written. Uh, maybe you've heard about the Vietnamese boat people who um, uh, who you know after the the war was over, there were many people who were trying to escape Vietnam, and and they would um, pile all their belongings in. In their boats, and they would, you know, just like cast cast themselves on, you know, to the seas and try to escape. Um, and uh, and they, many of them, were drowned, and and they became a target for pirates, um, Vietnamese pirates, who knew that they had all their life's belongings, you know, on the boats with them. And these pirates would come, and they would kill people, and they would rape, and and um, and there was this story about this 12-year-old girl who, you know, with her, her family's boat was uh, attacked by pirates. And, um, and she, uh, she threw herself into the ocean. I think she was raped. She threw herself into the ocean, you know, in despair. And, uh, and, um, and, 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 and Thich Nhat Hanh wrote this poem, and he, he said, I am the little girl. You know, I am the family. I am the pirate. You know, like, how can I say that if I had been brought up in those circumstances that I, you know, I would not have done something similar, you know. So, so, so that we can, it doesn't mean that, that people should just be allowed to do anything. But it means that we can have compassion, that we can have understanding as to why these behaviors develop, that we can maybe be committed to addressing the causes, you know, for people to grow up feeling so, you know, that people grow up feeling so, you know, desperate and marginalized that they do such terrible things. So, um, so in that way, is that? But what would be the English word for Ananta? 
non-self or, or no-self. So, so it means that, doesn't mean that I don't, doesn't mean that, you know, there's no relative sense of self. I mean, you and I, at, you know, when this, when this day of retreat is over, you know, you're going to go to your house, I'm going to go to my house, you know, you're going to eat your supper, I'm going to eat my supper, my eating supper, my supper doesn't, you know, make you feel not hungry, you know, so we do have a relative sense of self, you know, you're making decisions in your life and I'm making decisions in mine, but it's just, you know, really looking deeply at, well, this self, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, there, there is a, a, a separateness, but it's in, if we look deeply, we see that it's not so separate as we think. It's just a relative. You know, it's like another example that's used sometimes is, you know, waves on the ocean. You know, like, so we're, we're all, a wave has a kind of a, a, um, a manifestation of something separate. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really part of the ocean, you know, and it arises, you know, and we can see a distinct wave, and yet, you know, it falls and it falls back into the ocean. Um, I'm wondering, you know, humans go through life trying to survive and they push things down, you know, and like say loss or anger or various things. When you're denying that just to get through life, you know, if life is overwhelming or whatever, how do you unpack that with meditation when it's so like, mm. you know, like how can you gently open it up? Yeah. Like, when you, I, I don't know, does that make sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes, clear as a bell. <laughs> and, uh, and it's something that we all experience, you know, um, because um, <coughs> we all have been hurt, we all have been, you know, and of course, there's a spectrum, and some people have been deeply hurt and deeply abused. Other people have been, you know, uh, you know, experiences in life, you know, in childhood, you know, people have been unkind to them. Other people have experienced mostly loving and supportive, you know, and and yet the nature of life is that we all experience hurt and. Um, <coughs> And uh, and loss and uh, and fear and a sense of abandonment, all of these things. And so, um, uh, and and many, most people don't really open to the experience and allow it to, you know, accept it. You know that this is, you know, this. This is an experience, and it has its rising and it's passing away, and 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 especially when we're kids, you know, it it's overwhelming. We have very little power, and so some of so these things, you know, they stay in us. They stay in the body, 
actually. We hold them in the body in, in very, uh, in ways that we tense in the body, in ways that we, you know, perhaps, um, you know, hold a shoulder, you know, crooked, or, or the way we walk, or, you know, it, it's, we embody these, um, these denied and these repressed hurts in our lives. And, and, as, uh, and as we meditate, um, the body begins to open, and the mind begins to open. And, 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 and it, they come into consciousness, you know, the memories, the, the pain in the body where we're holding something very, very tight. And, uh, and it all just um, opens up and is known. Um, there's an image that's used by a teacher uh, named Ajahn Chah. Uh, he was a Vietnamese, uh, a, a, a Thai forest monk, and um, uh, and he taught many of the Western monastics that now have passed on the monastic tradition uh, from Thailand and. Uh, and he used this example of sitting by a still forest pool. You know, when he says, well, you go into the forest and you sit down by the watering hole and you sit very still, you're very quiet. And, and then gradually the animals emerge out of the forest. You know, you're very quiet. You know, and, and, uh, and, and you see them. And you see, you know, the very small animals and the larger animals and the very timid ones and sometimes even something very strange that you never even imagined will appear. So just by being still, allowing the body and the mind to open and be present, these things emerge. Now, it takes courage to be present with these things. But my experience is that the pain that we're holding in the body and mind wants to be known. It wants to be received. It's, it's like this, you know, I mean, it, we used to talk about the inner child, you know, there was a lot of, but, but it's true, we are, are, we do all have an inner child, we do all have an inner, an inner ancient one as well. Uh, and, but there's this, you know, the hurt child, the frightened child, wants to be known, wants to be received. And, and there is something about receiving our own pain. You know, when we, when we can talk to a dear friend, when we can talk to a, uh, you know, a, somebody who we trust, there's something beautiful about, you know, they don't need to fix us. They just need to receive us as we are. And, and in that way, you know, uh, I did at one time in my, in my spiritual life, I had this beautiful relationship with Jesus. And, and I prayed. And I was totally, lovingly, unconditionally received. And then later in my spiritual evolution, I, 
understood that that was a way that I was receiving myself. You know, that I'm Jesus. And, and, but somehow, sometimes we need to express it as an other, whether it's a friend other or God other, but really it's our own heart that we need to completely receive and forgive ourselves and forgive the other, um, those who harmed us. And, and I want to make a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation here because um, forgiveness is a way of accepting that what happened in the past happened and it's an acceptance it's a it's a letting go of the resentment it's a letting go of the anger it's a letting go of the fear that we're holding reconciliation happens when there's an acknowledgement on the other side that that when when we can approach the person who harmed us you know who did unkind things to us and we can say this is how I experienced this and there's an acknowledgement and and a um, an asking for forgiveness so so sometimes we can forgive but we can't be reconciled you know maybe the, the person who hurt us is no longer around or maybe we don't want to you know go there we don't want to but but the receiving, the forgiving, the opening, the letting go of guilt that we might be holding against ourselves, all of these are part of this process of, of moving into more freedom. And in freedom, there's a there's joy, there's creativity, there's openness, there's connection. You know, in this, you know, it, when we hold on to these hurts that we've, you know, you made this motion with your hand of pressing it down, you know, and when we, it's the way of holding it, isn't it? You know, and when we hold it, you know, we are holding on to an idea of ourself. And, and sometimes when we've had that idea of ourself all our lives, it can be really frightening to think, well, who am I if I'm not a victim? You know, who am I uh, if I don't have this story? So it's... Um, this, this path, first of all, it's, we need to be very compassionate and gentle uh, and not strive or press ourselves. But also it takes courage and it takes, uh, it takes patience and perseverance. And it takes a community, you know, like this is not something to do by ourselves. We need a community to practice with. We need the example of teachers and people <coughs> who are, you know, 
have gone before us on the path, who have accomplished, <coughs> or who have, who have really gone through some of the things that, that we're facing. So we all need that, you know. No matter where we are, we all need to have a community. We all need to have people who, you know, have gone ahead of us. Uh, so, so um, it's uh, it's one of the uh, it's one of the three jewels, the sangha, you know, the Buddha, so the the awakened being, and the the people who are you know, awake, maybe not, you know, awake like Buddha with, um, you know, uh, infallible kind of, I mean, the Buddha is not alive today, so, you know, we can think about him in a very abstract way, but the Buddha was a human being. And, um, and all through his life he was visited by what's called Mara, Mara is uh, the personification of ignorance. All through his life, he kept getting visits from Mara, uh, and uh, you know who. And, and Mara would mock him, or would, you know, question his his understanding. And and uh, and the Buddha always said, "I know you, Mara. You know, I know you." So the Buddha, you know, was maybe. Um, Never got deceived by Mara, but he was visited. So, but Buddha, Buddha means awake. So the Buddha, the awakened one, the, and the awakened teachers um, uh, who, are, who live among us, um, more awakened than, than we are anyway. And, uh, and then the, the Dharma, so the teachings, the, the way, the path, uh, is the second jewel the Dharma and the Sangha, the community, is the third jewel. We need them all. Can I say something about community? I realize that's very powerful in my life lately because, um, I don't know about you, but I'm on the computer a lot. And I get a lot of emails about awful things happening in the world and people wanting money. And, and there's this sense of myself when I'm alone with that computer that I know it's my solo self that gets me in trouble. I start to go, why aren't I doing better in life so I can send off $1,000 or $20 or... And, but it's when I'm with people that it puts myself in balance. I can see that I can do something skillful when I'm with somebody, not in these abstract turning places. Mm. I feel like I'm getting more equanimity now when I see that, I see that spinning of, I want to be more and better and more wealthy or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a hard one because I realize I have to stand in that middle of that confusion or frustration or, right. yeah. But the community helps a lot because it's not just hearing others. It's like when I'm, oh yeah, we're doing this together. We, actually nothing good has ever happened by one person. That, yeah, that came to me the other day. Even the Buddha, he came out of teachers in his setting, and right. these teachings came out of a lot of people. Yeah, I, he needed people to teach, to, I mean, to set the wheel of the Dharma in motion. And so, yeah, that's right. It's a 
but there's that breathing and moving all the time and I realize it's a very active process that way. That's not me going, okay, now here's the perfect state. It's like, okay, gotta go on the computer. <laughs> so. You mentioned the, the Buddha recognizing Mara as the oh, I know you. So I sensed a little bit of playfulness there. Could you expand on how, as we encounter this stuff, to, to be light about it, not, oh, there's this thing I've got to. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the heaviness or the, you know, this tightness comes from uh, if we think, oh, I'm a self that shouldn't have that, you know, this this judgment or this confusion or this this um, you know this jealousy shouldn't be appearing you know but if it's just oh yeah you know yeah jealousy uh, okay comes it's not pleasant you know feel it it's not pleasant uh, you know and um, and and it goes. So, but knowing the impermanent nature of the arising of things, knowing, knowing the, uh, you know, the selfless nature, you know, yeah, it's of the mind, it's of the mind to, um, you know, to continue feeling, feeling these things, like they're habits that were formed, you know, for many, many, many years and reinforced for many, many years. And, and even though new habits can, you know, and new attitudes can be cultivated, we, um, uh, yeah, it takes, you know, it, it takes some time. So having patience and, and lightness. I have one question. And what happens when someone is have a like image or a definition of one, for example, my sister thinks I should be somehow like your sister thinks that you should be some way like she has like a uh, like person definition of my own self. Right. So when I don't perform to that idea, we're always fighting. Mm. So it's more complicated. <laughs> I don't know to change mine. <laughs> to change yeah. Well, you know, these 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 family relationships are really the uh, the cauldron within which our uh, our practice is uh, <laughs> is cooked. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, you know, and, and people people experience this all the time with uh, with parents a lot. Um, so, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's something, in a way, one way, one thing you can, you can experience is, is a sense of, um, you know, just being very clear in yourself, you know, that this is coming from her, and it's, it's not about you, it's, it's about her. But her ideas, her judgments, um, and you know, and to to have a fight with somebody, it takes <coughs> two people. Um, so, is there another way that you can relate without without 
fighting back. Who are very stubborn. Hmm? Who are very stubborn. <laughs> You're very, yeah. But, well, but it's, it's yeah. But, you know, you know, the Buddha, the Buddha once told the story about, um, you know, there was this uh, well-known um, spiritual teacher um, who, uh, you know, who, who had a lot of, he had a big following. And, um, and people would come and would bring him gifts, you know, this teacher. And uh, so he was, you know, very popular. Okay. Uh, so so he, he came once to the Buddha and he said to the Buddha, you know, the Dharma you teach, it's like, really, it's wrong. And the way you, the way you uh, deal with, you know, you, the people who are practicing with you, it's just completely off base. And, uh, you know, and, and, and really you should be, you know, you should be ashamed of what you're doing. And he really kind of, you know, laid a whole trip on him, you know, about how bad he was. And, and, um, and the Buddha just, you know, he listened. And, um, and then he, he responded by asking a question. He said, you know, he said to this uh, spiritual leader, uh, he said, you know, if, if people uh, come and they bring you, you know, f food and, and you've already, you know, had your meal, you know, and there are, there are disciplines that you, you didn't eat more than once a day, or he said, you've already had your meal and the people bring the food and, and you don't receive it, you know, you don't, you don't take it. He says, does it belong to you or does it belong to them? And so the other person replied, well, it belongs to them because I haven't taken it. And he said, well, in the same way, you know, your, your, your criticisms belong to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, it's uh, it, but it takes confidence. It, we we need to have confidence in 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 what our heart is telling us. You know, and meditation helps us to develop that confidence, because when we sit and we meditate, and the mind becomes quiet, and all the expectations and ideas and and ideas of what we should be doing and what we're not doing and what we, you know, we wish we were doing and people, what we think people expect us to be doing, and, and we see that whirring around, whirling around in our head, but we find this, just this simplicity, this groundedness of, of you know, something that is spacious and, and aware, you know, but not defined, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when, we, when, we, when we realize how much bigger we are, greater we are, you know, we, we get a grounding in that groundlessness <laughs> as a, you know, we get a, ground, a grounding in, in our heart, which speaks to us in that silence. And, and, and we have the confidence to know that, you know, it, it doesn't, that those expectations don't belong to us, you know. And, I mean, you know, uh, and 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 this comes this this comes from practice. This comes from you know this the strength. This comes from practice. You know, I recently had an experience of somebody. 
you know, something that I, I did, it was relatively small, or failed to do actually, you know, really triggered a big reaction in this mm -hmm. person. You know, and it connected to this person's history and a lot of things they had experienced in their life. And, and I knew, you know, and, and there was all kinds of blame that was coming and, you know, accusation. And, uh, and so I was, you know, I was sorry that I, I had, you know, failed in a relatively small way. And of course I apologized and, uh, you know, um, but, but it was also clear to me that this was not about me. Mm -hmm. You know, this was about this other person's, you know, and, and, uh, and it really actually, I think, in not taking on, you know, this whole thing, and, or in not, you know, like, rejecting or ac accusing back, you know, where do you get off accusing me of the da, da, da uh, but just, you know, kind of, okay, you know, I've, I've, this is the best I can do. I acknowledge that mm -hmm. there was this, uh, I could have done this better. Um, and uh, I think it held up a mirror for this person. And um, uh, it, so it's, it's, it's sometimes now the person always, doesn't always want to look in the mirror, but but it, it it's it's uh, it it's a way it's it's actually kindness. Okay. It's actually kindness not to engage in you know retaliating or trying to answer or defend or but just um, saying this belongs to you. Yeah. Thank you. That story, uh, that's, I love that story. Um, you know, it belongs to you. Is that equanimity? Being able just to recognize that, to see it, mm -hmm. and just say, "Yeah, that's an expression of equanimity." Yeah, yeah. yeah. great story. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I read in a book called "The Buddha's Brain" that, uh, and it took the edge off for me as I see my anger sometimes boiling up. Is that we've inherited that? When you talked about we're part of the star bits and how old are we? And mm -hmm. how important it was for us to survive to have that, everybody got together and fought the saber-toothed tiger or fended off the hostile tribe, and then it's in our bones. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, you know, it's there and it's mine. Mm -hmm. We needed that for so long, and now I don't have to mobilize, but it, it's still there. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Yes, it's, it's very true. So, so thank you for listening and participating. Um, so we'll have uh, time for lunch now. We'll um, we'll go from twelve thirty to one thirty. And um, excuse me, there's some tables there. We can set up some tables. Uh, and you know, take out your lunch. There's a uh, there's some water. I'll uh, turn it on. We'll, there's tea available. 
Um, and uh, if you need to go out, you can do that. Um, yeah, I'll unlock. The door is locked uh, right now, but I'll unlock it for the hour. So if you want to go out and have a little walk, you can do that. And just to point out that one of the bathrooms downstairs is broken. Mm -hmm. You can open the door, but it is it is broken just to, to let people know. Is there more than one bathroom? No, there, I thought there were two. There were three. There are there three? three. Okay, so there's one. There's three, uh, and then there's one on this floor, yeah. but there's three downstairs. Is it, It's marked. Um, well, you can still open the door. It's got the, the graffiti drawing of a woman. It's the oh. the woman's bathroom. Um, but I think they I think he had put something on to, onto the toilet to oh, say okay. do not use. Okay. It's been a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.